Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast. Today, we bring you the Sunday message from September 5th, 2021. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others to thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. Today's message is entitled, Weariness, Work Ethics, and the Witches of Salem. It's Labor Day weekend, the one day a year where we honor our national labor force by giving them the day off. Well, not all of them. We still want to be able to shop at those end of the season retail sales or go to Walmart if need be. And a lot of weekend warriors will probably find themselves at Home Depot or Lowe's tomorrow. Of course, most of the restaurants will be open, boat marinas. And now that I think about it, I suppose that Labor Day is maybe more of a white collar holiday than a blue collar one these days. I suppose that the workers on the lowest rung of the corporate ladders here in the United States are are kind of used to the situation by now, working weekends and holidays and even the holiday that honors them. Labor Day. Time for barbecue, backyard picnics, beer. What's this holiday about again anyway? You know, over the years, I think I've preached a number of Labor Day sermons. And as a pastor, you kind of end up submitting to the national holiday calendar. If you can't beat them, join them, right? Now, I didn't look, but I'm pretty sure that almost every single one of those sermons I spoke about work, about working hard, about working in a way that honored God. I'm guessing also that more than one of those sermons were based around Paul's words in Colossians 3.23 that say this, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. It's a pretty good verse. It's pretty good advice. But it's also not really telling us to work harder. This verse was written to slaves, encouraging them to remember that they were ultimately serving God and not their masters with the work that they did. It was saying to the slaves, be known for the quality of your work, not necessarily the quantity of your work. And don't do it for the master. Remember that you're doing it for God. And while none of us are slaves, let's be honest, I imagine that those people who are forced to work the Labor Day holiday that's designed to celebrate their efforts probably see very little difference between the indentured servitude of biblical times and the expectations placed on them by their employers and Why do they do it? Well, they have to survive. They have to eat, of course. You know, we here in the United States are a pull yourself up by the bootstraps, work hard, live the American dream kind of people. I'm not sure that that's necessarily wrong. In fact, for a lot of us, it's not just right, but we think of it as being biblically right. We call it the Puritan or the Protestant work ethic. The Protestant work ethic is the view that a person's duty is to achieve success through hard work. And doing that, hard work, is actually a necessary proof of one's salvation. Oliver Berkman reminds us that the Protestant work ethic, as every first-year sociology student knows, is what made Western capitalism so, for lack of a better word, so great. When it comes to accumulating profit, what could be more perfect than hard work, self-denial, plus the threat of eternal damnation for the lazy? Just like the Puritans, who, when Europe got a little bit too comfortable, left for America 
to work even harder and self-deny even more vigorously, culminating triumphantly in the corporate culture that brought you the Furby, aerosol cheese, and Crocs. You almost certainly share some vestige of this moralism and use it to chastise yourself. Or your boss or pastor uses it to chastise you. And if it's your pastor that's ever chastised you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I've ever preached a sermon that told you to work harder and leverage God in order to support that directive. I'm really sorry. And I'm also tired. I'm tired, y'all. Are you tired? I'll admit I'm tired of living in a global pandemic. I'm tired of working seven days a week without Sabbath. I'm tired of working harder only to feel further and further behind. I'm tired of also seeing my work, my wife work harder and harder just so we can survive. I sometimes feel like John Coffey in the Green Mile when he said, I'm tired, boss. This year, on this Labor Day weekend, I'm not thinking about work. I'm thinking about rest. And I'm thinking about why doesn't the church talk more about rest? Am I right? I mean, shouldn't Christians be known more for their rest than for their work? What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, I said it. Why can't we be known for our Protestant rest ethic rather than a Protestant work ethic? Why is America hell-bent on working ourselves to death and Christians advocating for it? I mean, I guess it's probably because of capitalism, right? I guess it's because the Puritans came here because they felt like torturous, thankless work brought them closer and closer to God. I mean, sure, the Puritans, sure, the Puritans had a strong work ethic, yeah, but they also burned women at the stake because they thought they were witches. We need new role models, y'all. We are in dire need of better role models. So why don't we start with Jesus? The guy who famously said, come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, I'll give you rest. Put my yoke on your shoulders. It might appear heavy at first, but it's perfectly fitted for your curves. Learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble of heart. And when you are yoked to me, your weary souls will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Weary, burdened, weighed down under pressure. You know, we've learned a lot of new words over the last 18 months of the pandemic. But one of the most important words that we've used and learned is essential workers. In the beginning, essential workers were heroes. Remember, doctors and nurses, teachers and truck drivers, checkout clerks and cable internet technicians. They kept us alive, both literally and figuratively, giving us hope in humanity. And for a season, most of us rested until we were told rather abruptly by presidents, politicians, employers, get back to work. And then that Protestant work ethic, which is woven into the DNA of every red-blooded American, kicked back in full force. We stopped caring that our back-to-business-as-usual ways put our essential workers sometimes in harm's way. 
We started calling doctors liars as the numbers for COVID went up. We told teachers that they dare not suggest that little Timmy wear a mask in the classroom in order to protect the teacher and others, that teachers needed to deal with it because we certainly weren't going to keep little Timmy at home any longer. We had to, well, we had to get back to work. We had to get back to work. And those unemployment benefits, eh, no more of those. It's time to get back to work. We ended up treating the most important parts of our labor force with a bit of contempt. Then blame them when they didn't go back to work. They're lazy, we said. Everybody wants a handout, we said. Or maybe they were just tired of being taken advantage of. Maybe they were tired of being called lazy after having spent years doing the hardest, most thankless, dirtiest jobs imaginable. Or maybe they just needed more, more rest. I don't really believe in the Protestant work ethic anymore. Trust me, I believe in working hard. But I, I'm trying to believe in, in resting harder. At least I'm, I'm trying to. You can take the boy out of puritanical theologies, but it's a little bit harder to take the puritanical theologies out of the boy. I believe that instead of a Protestant work ethic, our faith would be far better served by a theology of rest, a robust theology of rest. I mean, think about it. Jesus was always resting. Sure, he worked hard, but we've kind of ignored all of the data on his rest habits. Our lives are often so cluttered with all of the things that we should do that we never really discover or pursue the things that we were meant to do. Jesus took time off to rest between major ministry cycles. Jesus took time off after heavy periods of ministry. Jesus took time off when he had an intimidating task coming up. Jesus took time off when he was weary. Jesus took time off when he had had enough of people and all God's people said, amen. Jesus even took time off every single day in order to rest. No wonder he invites us to come to him when we need rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you more to do. No. I'll make you feel bad for not working harder. No. I'll smack you a bit and say, come on, Protestant work ethic. No. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're overburdened and overworked, I'm going to give you rest. I really think that this is one of the keys to understanding Jesus. And because we've missed it, not only do we not fully understand Jesus, but we end up buying into this Protestant work ethic hogwash. I mean, God has been trying to teach us about this since the beginning. Honestly, since the very beginning, God has been trying to teach us about rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, on the seventh day, God rested, God sabbathed, God paused. It didn't mean that God was tired. It didn't mean that God needed rest. What it meant was simply this, that he knew the value of a pause, and he knew that if he didn't pause, then we wouldn't pause either. And he knew that we would need to pause because we're driven people. I might even say that drivenness at such a high level that pushes past Sabbaths and refuses to pause in life is sinful. In God's eyes, it's evil. To not rest is wrong. And God 
continued to model, to reinforce, and to shout the command of Sabbath rest over and over again and again throughout the Bible regularly from the very beginning all the way through to the very end. Can I speak freely? <laughs> You're probably thinking, uh, have you been speaking freely a lot lately, Pastor Kevin? No, 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 I'm not. But if I may speak freely, this Labor Day, the data conclusively shows that the worst states to be a laborer in America, the states with the worst pay, the states with the worst benefits, with the worst inequities in pay, with the worst worker protection, the states with the worst accommodations for laborers, those states, the worst states, also are the most religious states. Jesus said that a laborer deserves his wages. From the Bible's perspective, a worker deserves fair pay. From the Bible's perspective, a worker deserves fair treatment. From the Bible's perspective, a worker deserves a fair amount of rest. I get it. This isn't the American way, but it's God's way. And the fact that the worst states for workers also profess to be the most godly states means that we Christians, well, we might be on the, the wrong side of this sometimes. A recent study shows that American workers want pay that is at or above average for their jobs, that they want to be able to work remotely, that they want a short commute, and that they want to have an ideal work environment that includes generous vacation time. Do you see what's happening here? During COVID, the American worker realized that time away from work was valuable and that they weren't being paid enough to sacrifice their precious time away from the job for a boss or for a system that, that used them and abused them. That's not laziness. That's wisdom. You might say this is anti-America. Well, you know what? The Bible is often anti-American. And the COVID experience has led a lot of us to reevaluate our careers, to reassess the value of work, and has left us open to change. Now, even though the naysayers are currently saying that the American workers are lazy, that they don't want to work, and that living off the government and other taxpayers or why so many jobs are going unfulfilled, the data doesn't actually say that. It doesn't actually say that at all. Imagine that. People saying things that aren't necessarily true. Hard to believe, I know. But what the data actually shows is that almost all of us, more than a majority, are working as much as we used to if not more than we used to, and are working harder. So this whole no one wants to work business, well, it's just it's just not true. It's not true at all. The opposite is true, in fact. So why are those jobs empty? Well, there were empty jobs before COVID, but what's going on is that a lot of people decided that they didn't want to be taken advantage of by low pay, by less than stellar bosses, and by lack of benefits. They realized they were worth more. People didn't want to give up their lives to something that never gave life back to them. And who can blame them? Imagine that. So this Labor Day, a day which has unfortunately become just a vacation day without much meaning. This Labor Day, I want to call us to reflect not on how we're not working hard enough, but this Labor Day, let's reflect and give thanks for those who have sacrificed to improve workers' lives and what is oftentimes an extraordinarily oppressive economic system. Let's stop blindly spewing false political rhetoric 
And let's work to give health and wealth and rest to the workforce, to all people. I mean, isn't that the Christian way? The Christian way isn't forcing every person into indentured servitude for a paycheck. No, the Christian way is not to work harder. The Christian way is to pay people for their worth, for their value. The Christian way is that people have inherent value beyond what they do or how they do it. The Christian way is compassion and kindness and help, especially for the least of these. Everyone deserves to be able to pursue happiness, not just the middle class. Everyone deserves rest, not just those who can afford a day off. And the minimum wage workers especially deserve rest. And don't even get me started about Christians and their stand on minimum wage, but this Labor Day, let's celebrate our essential workers and let's treat others like Jesus asked us to treat them. Let's start there. Today's message is brought to you by Christ's Table. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ's Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission? To help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, this podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. We'd love for you to join us as we continue weekdays through our step-by-step study through the book of Ephesians. And if you'd like to watch the Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well over at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.